Welcome back to System Ministrivia, the podcast where 60% of the time we start off with, oh shit, we're starting now? This is Brent. I'm Jonathan. I'm Pete. So we... I wait, are you confession to me. What? I accidentally pressed record on one instead of zero. That's... that's okay. I'll fix it in post. Okay. Uh, this is the things. This is a thing that we have to deal with on a regular, <laughs> terrible, constant basis. Yeah, I'm actually not starting even... to think that Peyton has a serious anger problem. Does anybody know anybody I can recommend him to? To no, I feel like this. Anger? I feel like this is well known. I feel like that's common. Uh, we've I even mean, had yeah. we've we've even had Forge vet for it. So yeah, yeah. Okay, let's just move along before you hurt my feelings. Well, all right, but you have before we do. Before we do, are you are you two sorted out? You had a, a bit of a tiff right before we started recording, and I want to make sure that you're you're good to go. Oh, we're good. We're gonna duel later. No, we're not. <laughs> I'm, I we're I not. put it on my I put it on my calendar. Oh, I okay. sent you an invite, dude. Oh, okay. I actually uh, think you right. already clicked yes on it. <laughs> so probably yeah. There's a location on there. Don't be late. I I don't. If you're think, late, you lose. I don't think default. that actually happened. Okay. You lose. Good day, sir. Yeah. You get nothing. If anybody else wants an invite, just let me know. But what? How would you be dueling? Pistols at dawn. Yeah. Does, does it say that on the invite? Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't, we'd be very pissed off. If it doesn't? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Yes, Jathan. It's it's typically considered gentlemanly behavior when initiating a duel to mention the methods by which the yes. duel would be conducted. Co- correct. Yeah. Correct. So you need to you need to sit down, shape up, get your shit in gear, and you need to come up with a plan for this. You can't just say, "Oh, I challenge you to a duel." You need to say, "This time, this place using this method." Yeah. How many paces? Uh, uh, Last time I did that, the person duel fucking duel shot me down. Well, then how are you? Wait, if they shot you down, how are you sitting here talking to us? No, no, not that kind of shooting me what? down. What? I understand. Oh, that. oh. No, when I like proposed it, huh? a uh-huh. means for which we will duel, uh-huh. I... Is this, is this like some innuendo? No, or... no, th- you were all there. Pardon? You guys were there for the conversation, the public conversation. You were? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I just, don't don't pay, I just don't pay attention to you, <laughs> you know, when you talk, so... Uh, what? Interesting. What? Alright, can we, can we get this on the road now? Are we... Are we done? You want to get this road on the show? I want to get the show on the road. Okay, let's get the road on the show. <laughs> no, we should I, record I, while we're driving. No! <laughs> that would totally. be the way. All right. That would be awesome. Actually, now that you mention that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. show on the road. Uh, we'll have to do like a like a vlog or something on the way to Hope. Like, oh my god. Next year. Oh, that would be kind of cool. Last time we were on the way to Hope, we called Peyton and he was real mad. Because <laughs> he was like working. Wasn't he? I thought it was. Was I? Yeah, I we went down on like a Thursday morning. Sad because he was not there. All right, well, I, whatever. That too. I mean, I was very sad. That, but uh, now you know that it wouldn't have been that great hanging out with me, so you won't be sad next time. Dude, it's always fun hanging out with you. Are you kidding me? For the record, I'm getting my own hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's how we could raise money at Hope. We could duel. <laughs> oh Dueling for charity. So, everyone, just so you know, this is how we, this uh, we do it every time. Just so you know. I'm the idea man here. You are... I need an aspirin. You're the who man? The, the idea, idea man. man. You are not any sort of anything. I'm like a thought leader. I can't even I can't even say that with a straight face. All right. All right. 
Yes, let's, please. Let's someone breathe take, life pick into up the show, show, put it back on the road, and then kind of give it a swift kick in the ass and get it going. All right. Anyways, what are y'all drinking tonight? J. Doug, go first. Yeah. Boulder yeah. Beer Company, watermelon Kolsch vodka in Kolsch. It sounds dumb. I. It's not. It's not a good beer. Wait. What? What? What brewing company? company? Boulder Beer Company. Boulder. Beer? Okay. Yeah. Older? Did you say Bolt with a B. Boulder. Boulder. Oh, okay. All right. If you actually like, you know, enunciate, we can actually tell these things. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Jay Dong, I love you, buddy. Uh, I'm drinking Stella Artois. I have no idea how to say it. No, that's That's how how you say it. it. We're very good. Look at me. I'm fucking. They grow up so fast. (laughs) 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 Go fuck yourself. Uh, I'm an old man, so I'm just drinking water again. Ah, you got pansy. Yeah. Drink something yep. real. Yeah. I don't know. I might I might pull out the, the rye later on. Yeah. Now that's a thing that you should do. The I, rye. Well, you know, I'm going to play it by ear and, and see how it goes. So I've been trying to, trying to get in shape. So. All right. All right. News. So, all right. So, news. Yeah. News. All right. News. <laughs> all right. So this is paper the news. I am not Jayton. I'm not dumb. First thing we have is that we have Marcus Hutchins. You guys might know him as the malware tech blog guy. Well, we have some issues here. He was arrested by the FBI. Hold on a second. Having some. At DEFCON. At DEFCON. Well, no, it was leaving DEFCON. Yeah, after DEFCON. DEFCON. So, let's see now. He was detained in the U.S. after DEFCON. He was attempting to get on a plane. As you know, WannaCry infected hospitals in the United Kingdom. A Spanish telecommunications company, other targets in Russia, Turkey, Germany, Vietnam, and more. He is a researcher for the cybersecurity firm Cryptos Logic, and he inadvertently stopped it in its tracks by registering a specific website included in the malware's code. He was allegedly arrested. He was arrested for allegedly creating the Kronos banking malware. He was held at the Henderson Detention Center in Nevada early on Thursday. The judge set a 30k bail. For him, there was a computer law expert that said that his arrest was problematic. Mm. And then the next bit of news we have here is that he has pleaded not guilty to writing the banking malware. Obviously, he's going to plead not guilty whether he did it or not. However, based on several articles that I was reading about this, there's a lot of people who are like, every one of us that's ever done this job has written something malicious at some point just to do it. You know, just to learn how to fight against it, you know? Yeah. So the idea that they, they're they saying that he wrote this Kronos banking malware, I mean, we obviously have no idea. We're supporters of the of the man. I mean, he does a great job mm-hmm. in doing his job. The fact that he stopped WannaCry, you know, that's huge. The next bit of news we have here is the FCC. According to Peter Griffin, blame it on the FCC. Right. So first bit we have for the FCC is that there's been a lawsuit by a journalist. This journalist's name is... Where is his name? Uh, well, okay. The lawsuit is about the denial of service attack that they claim uh, did not happen. Gizmodo filed a Freedom of Information Act request for anything regarding the nature of the attack. The FCC released 17 pages of nonsense. Journalist Kevin Collier filed a lawsuit against the FCC, not only demanding more data on the agency's supposed DDoS attack, but also urging the FCC to provide some insight on what it's doing to address the wave of bogus, bot-produced anti-net neutrality comments flooding the agency's website in recent months. So that's good. You know, we're going to start seeing maybe some responses to that. Yeah, right. The FCC hmm. has faced backlash for saying Americans do not need fast internet at home, and you can just use your cell service if you need it. I won't go into this article because it's just the title alone is 
infuriates me. And the next thing we have is that the Congress, two members of Congress who are trying to rake FCC over the coals in regards to the official net neutrality comment. We'll have, we have the article here. Since the Telecommunications Act was voted in, in 1996, Americans rejected the curated internet services in favor of an open platform. Now, anyone with a subscription to an ISP can get access to any legal website or application of their choice. Americans' ISPs no longer pick and choose what online services their customers can access. While the technology has changed, the policies to which we agreed have remained firm. The law still directs the FCC to look at the network infrastructure carrying data as distinct from the services that create the data. Using today's technology, that means the law directs the FCC to look at ISP services as distinct from those services that run over the network. There's a little bit more to this, but it's pretty, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory. They want to keep mm-hmm. using the service as it currently is. So look for that article as well. It's a pretty good one. As you know, net neutrality is currently being discussed. The gentleman who created the password complexity, his name is Bill, Bill Burr. Burr. He says that they're essentially useless, and he's sorry. So as you well, know, well, let's. All right. First of all, this is from Gizmodo, which I have right, which right, we've right, right. On, mentioned on the show for all of us that we have problems with at times. But sure. beyond that, I actually got into a, a discussion about this just recently. Actually, you know what? Let's save that for the show. Are you guys willing to be a little dynamic and change things up with me here? Yes. You want to talk about that Abs- later? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. We might cut off talking about one of the other topics we were going to talk about. Sure. But we'll see. We'll see. Well. Anyway, the right. the article is obviously is on Gizmodo. He says that he regrets writing the manual. He didn't really know a lot about passwords in 2003, and he wasn't a security expert at the time either. He's uh, he's 72 now. So as you all know, we've talked about the NIST, you know this this very thing, the NIST special publication, mm-hmm. 800-63 Appendix A. I you know I would love to talk more about this. So we'll I'll go into more about it later. When we go talk about it. In other news, the U.S. Army is going to stop using Chinese drones because they're afraid of m- malware and other things. Um, duh. <laughs> that's a that's kind of a duh moment there. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. The micro we talked about this. The Linux version of this is not quite the same thing, but Microsoft icons are being used to masquerade PE files with special icons. Uh, last season or last show we talked about the GNOME icon folder folder icon was allowed you, allowed you to uh, execute MS uh, MSI uh, exec- executables in Linux. Mm. This is different. This is uh, the server ransomware. And it allows you to change the icon and run malware from that icon. So that's another thing to look out for. And the last two bits of news we have here is FOSCON is, of course, August 26th. Brent and I will both be there. Brent is giving a talk on podcasts and showing off his B-Disc and AIF-NG. And I will be giving an install fest and uh, key signing. And then we'll both be at B-Sides. Mm-hmm. FOSCON is August 26th. B-Sides Philly is December 8th. Tickets sold out really fast. Hopefully they'll have another batch of tickets going soon, but I wouldn't count on it too much. Hope to see if, you there. If not, you can probably catch me at B-Sides Delaware. When, do you know when the next B-Sides DE I, is? I don't. Watch it already happen. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just uh, fucking suck at everything. Calm down, Jason. Actually, B-Sides Delaware is Saturday, is, uh, Friday and Saturday, October 7th and 8th. Okay, so I, if I can still get tickets, I should be there as well. So I will do what I can to be there on Saturday, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll bump into us eventually. Yep. So we did come up with three smaller topics during the pre-meeting to, you know, talk about this episode. But the news article you mentioned, the password, Bill Burr retracting his statement on what makes a strong password oh. is 
I need to. Wait, I need yes. to besides DE, uh, that was 2016, so I don't know about 2017. Oh, so they haven't even planned it yet. Yeah, I don't think they have sounds like. Yet. Okay, Sorry, carry on. They might even not be. They might be skipping it this year too. We'll see. Yeah. If they do do it this year, I'll I'll try and keep my ears. Okay, open. wait, 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 wait. What, Jathan? Calm down. <laughs> we should know. We're trying to do a thing. I know. We should note before we talk about the thing yes. that we have an episode where we did talk about the thing. Okay. Do you do you have the episode ID? No, but I can find it while you're talking. <laughs> or I could just or, put or it in the show Or we can just put notes. it in the show notes. Let's just do that. <laughs> That's what I do. So we did... We Actually, we've talked about passwords in and of themselves. Like, what right. makes a good password? Multiple times. And we cited, At least like, the three separate episodes. CD article. We have. We've talked about it. We have yeah. talked about but it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate. So I, I'm actually going to start off by reading exactly what I responded to. This is in Facebook. And I... You know, tend to just use Facebook for arguing because what else do you use it for? So it wasn't the Gizmodo article itself. It was it was in response to a different link, which I'll, I will also include in the show notes. But here we go. My take on this is this. Number one, you should have strong passwords as laid out by Bill Burr originally. The better randomization behind it, the better. The wider the character selection space, the better. The longer, the better. No real words. Number two, you should be using a unique password for every authentication where possible. Number three, and this ties one and two together, you should use a non-cloud-based authentication slash credentials manager. And this is where we as IT have failed. Yeah. You know, we've, we've failed in providing an easier way of doing things the right way. I think Bilbo really shouldn't have retracted his original requirements. They are good requirements. If followed... They create passwords that are very hard to break. The problem is, and this is why, you know, if you read the original source, this is why Bill Burr retracted it, is because things like password changing policy or password rotation policy, I guess, and just being really hard to remember those passwords. And yeah, they're a valid point. Like, since the human element is so weakened, they do things like write them down on post-it notes, email them, whatever, you know? And that's a really bad idea. Well, you have things like A or whatever, or they, you know, it's just... Well, right. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to say that the letter A is a good password, but... Yeah, I'm just going off of the website is down. Right, right, right. But, I mean, and that's... You know, it's important to realize, like, this is a big issue here. Further, I know some smart aleck is going to, you know, add us on Twitter or something saying, oh, but correct horse battery stabler. All right, listen, bitch, (laughs) you need to listen and listen well, because this shows you're an idiot. (laughs) Crackers, like password crackers, the software used to crack passwords are now and have been for quite some time now. They've been using word based attacks. Instead of character-based attacks. Yeah. So your whole methodology there is flat out the window. In fact, I'd say 90% of the time, the correct horse battery, battery stapler password is easier to crack and faster to crack than a randomized long string. Because, you know, you have, you have dictionaries from various languages to sort of immediately choose from. And these are yeah. already pre-compiled. And these are, like, you know, just ready to go. So it's a really stupid method. And I understand XKCD was trying to be funny, but I don't think you should really take sec- like full-on security advice and take it to heart from a security. Well, web- well I think their I think their premise is comedy webcomic. I think their premise is not that. I think they were trying to say that the complexity, you know, having a, a special character and putting numbers instead of letters. I think they were trying to say that that is 
and can be confusing to people who aren't like good at passwords. Absolutely, and that's why Bilber retracted his original request. Sure. Yeah. Now, yeah, wait, wait a second, though. What, Jathan? Well, the other thing. Now, I, I just I go back and forth about this because <laughs> okay. my okay. passwords are not overly complex. Mm-hmm. They do contain lowercase letters, uppercase letters in random places. Like obviously, I know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> I would you hope know, so. Numbers and special characters. Uh-huh. But it is still like relatively simple but uh, i like to think i have a pretty good password and i change my password every six months all right well let me let me put and i don't way. use that simple. password for everything so i use random passwords like you mentioned for a lot of things like web sure. services and stuff like that but at work that's just not feasible when i have to type it nine million times a day sure but so here's the thing so when you come up with these passwords you follow the there's a name for it and i can't remember it's like a, a story method right where you, you take a very long phrase and then you modify that phrase, either take the acronym and then replace some components with numbers and so on and so forth. You, you do some sort of munging to that to no longer make it human, right? Yeah. Okay. And that's a but, good... But method. like it's something that I could recount, you know, sort of like... Sure, sure. And that's, yeah, that's okay. I mean, that's a... You do still need a strong master password for whatever password manager you use. That's the point. Sure. That would be a good use case for that particular method. But that gets pretty hard to do when you ideally want a unique and strong password for every single every single service eventually you're going to start recycling components and things like that further the requirements by bill burr like they're kind of made irrelevant by that because it's easier to remember for you yeah but nobody else would obviously know how the fuck right to... and that's my point they still follow bill burr's original requirement for strong passwords I, it's just, just you don't the name generate it what, yeah. what's that the name Bill Burr is also a comedian, and he's quite funny. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Way to fucking contribute, buddy. <laughs> well, I Jay was fun. trying to say something. You interrupted me. But... Can you calm down before we get this train derailed? So, <laughs> so Jathan, like, you may think that the passwords aren't random, but to a machine they are. And that's the important part. To a machine, they are totally random, you know? Yeah, I guess. And to an attacker... But, but that's not necessarily true, right? If you can come up with... You know, like, obviously, you can't recreate the story if that's how it's derived, but you can easily sure. replace, you know, an A with an at sign or something, or like an E with sure, a three. Sure, and, and each of those components definitely strengthens the password. But, I mean, well, how long are they typically? Like, 16 to 32 characters? Mine? Yeah. Roughly 20 to 30. Good. That's a great... Yeah, that's a great length. I don't know the exact number. But. That's That's fine. And if it varies, all the better. But that's a really strong character strength, uh, character limit. Or character space, I guess. Because, you know, we've already established that, like, you generate good entropy. The thing is, like, I'm of the opinion that random doesn't truly exist. You can have chaos and entropy, but it's still measurable. And we're going to... This isn't like quantum mechanics some Edmund's trivia or something. So <laughs> we can save that discussion for an entirely different podcast. But generally speaking... When it comes to generating passwords on this very simple topic, randomness doesn't really exist. It may be ordered in our minds, but to a computer, organic generation is still random. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Okay. So you're saying that random doesn't exist except to a computer? Is that what you're saying? No. I'm saying no. there are different degrees of randomness. Okay. And but there's no a, absolute random. Right. Right. At the very least, with generating passwords. Uh, right. There's okay. only more and less random. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I would definitely say that, like, nature is random, you know? A lot, I, nature I'm is not, full of patterns. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of algorithms in play there. 
This is this is actually where the the theory of oh what's it called the ultimate equation the help me out golden here, ratio no not the golden ratio that's for like nautilus shells and bullshit and ferns when I, I, I think I know what you're talking about yeah yeah the there's idea that uni- grand unified theory I think is what it's called okay but it's the idea that there's no randomness there's just a pattern to everything or well the grand I'm pretty sure it's called grand unified theory now I'd have to look it up and pu- I'll put it in a rata if it's if it's named something different but it basically states that if you worked hard enough and got down to a minute enough level you could mathematically plot out the entire universe the grand our grand unified theory gut is a model of particle physics physics in which at high energy the three gauge interactions of the standard model which define the electromagnetic weak and strong i don't think that's interactions the or forces are merged into one single force i don't think that's it what the fuck is it called Who, all right well, we'll find it later it, i'll find it later okay. but it's, it'll be in the show notes like fucking everything we say right exactly but you know it's it, it's it's also you're for, welcome for reasons welcome. Uh, for what? For putting everything in the show notes. Really? Are you are you giving our audience attitude? No. You don't even type up the show notes. I type up the show notes. I know. You're welcome. <laughs> are you Maui now telling us you're welcome? Oh my gosh. You're welcome. Alright, I need to get the Just ride. Move I need along, a drink. Eh? Anyways, my point being See, I got him a drink. This was a whole fucking goal here. I don't think I don't I don't think so. I guess that was I guess now I believe in chaos because I really don't think it was your plan all along <laughs> to get me to drink. But no, when it, when it comes, calm down, mind. when it comes to password generation, calm since down. it is data and there's always going to be some way of gathering that data. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to really have a truly quantum password, I guess, where it's going to be generated from, you know, because the whole thing with quantum is like once you measure the results, the results have changed state. Right. Right. So anyway, so you're never going to have a truly random password, but you can have a really good password. <laughs> and that's the end goal here. So, Well, I think, and what I was trying to say was, you know, when XKCD came out with the correct horse battery stable, I think they were trying to say that, you know, complexity doesn't necessarily need to be symbols for characters. You know, I mean, you're correct. They were trying to be humorous about it with correct horse battery staple, but they were trying to make it so you could memorize, you could, you could have this thing this uh, what's the where you sing a song and you could you know mnemonic nemo- yeah right a mnemonic they were trying to give you a mnemonic so that you could say correct horse that's a battery that's a battery staple you know or or whatever or you like you know my car is a honda so you could be mm-hmm. like you know some variation of that and that fills the the 20 right, character but- 25 you know, whatever. But it's still using I, I, I'm aware. word spaces I, I'm aware. used on I'm aware. based on real words, I, right? I, I, and I'm that's aware. the yeah. issue. Yeah, right, right. I, I'll actually also link to an article that Bill Schneier did I, on this topic. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you can't. I'm not saying that you can't use. I'm not saying you can't use symbols in the place of letters. I'm not saying you shouldn't or, or you should. I'm saying that you oh, can create. You well, I'm saying you can create a password using something like. Correct horse battery staple, and then change things. So C zero four four, you know, whatever you can. No, make the it, the the crackers yeah. do stuff like that too. Right. I they mean, iterate. They can iterate through, and like there are ones now that, as of I don't know, four or five years ago, they were doing about eighty million to eight hundred million a second. Sure. So sure. realistically, your password's probably gonna be cracked anyway. No, just, no, that's not the point I'm trying to make here. <laughs> you can make a, a password that takes like. Long and it'll time. take so long to crack that the heat death of the universe will, will occur before it's cracked. You can do that. But I'm also saying... No, it's... it's you can do it, Jathan. It's Calm possible. Down. 
Clamp down, Jay Tom. But what I am saying is the correct horse battery method mm-hmm. is, or battery staple method is bad. And the people who tout that as serious advice should feel bad. Because even if you replace certain letters with numbers or, or characters or whatever, the password crackers are still onto that. I mean, it's Okay, that is not an attack original... on XKCD, to be clear. What? Oh, no, 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 no. I love XKCD. The thing is, it's a, it's a comedy webcomic. It's, it's not a security blog. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, you know. It's not Tay, if you will. Oh my gosh, don't. <laughs> do not. Yeah. I would, I would be, I would feel better if you said it's not Bill Schneier. Yeah. Bill Schneier is, is our Chuck Norris, you know? Like he's, it's hard to argue with what he says. True enough. He's a very high esteemed individual. I put a lot of reputation in him. But anyways. Anyways. Do we have any closing remarks on this? Yes. Just, hold on, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No. Hold on, Jay. All right, go then, hold bitch. <laughs> I feel right. like, you know, changing your passwords every six months or every 90 days or whatever, and then having some complexity in it, I think that's good. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel like you need to go absolutely nuts with it. Just that's just my opinion. No, you know? I was going to say basically the opposite of that. Well, you can say the opposite of that. <laughs> I still think you should change your password every six to twelve months. Mm-hmm. I think that you should come six up with to something. Months? Yeah, what's wrong with that? Okay, go ahead. No. And I think you should come up with something that's reasonably easy to remember for you, based on you know, like we talked about, like a mnemonic or make up some batshit crazy story or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. talk about me if you want i understand why, why would they do but that? also the whole reason we're talking about this on a fucking podcast about systems administration and shit is because one as administrators we should have you know definitely great passwords because our passwords grant access to some really important shit well, mm-hmm. i have terrible passwords, but, but that's beside the point i hope you don't keep going <laughs> okay. but number two as an administrator Wherever possible, and to whatever extent you can, use your power to implement good password policies, and your users will be angry, but in the end, it will be a better time for everybody. And that's not what I was saying. I was saying it's our responsibility to implement, have our users implement good and strong passwords, but make it easy for them to do so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, but these tips are all things that you could share with your users. Right, but they the problem is Jathan, like most of your most of your users aren't going to want to remember unique passwords for everything that are 20 Correct. to 32 or whatever characters long. Correct. Well, then develop centralized authentication and you have a winner cuz they only need one then. Oh, okay, right, which is what what I mentioned opening this discussion. I said <laughs> you Did you? I did. I said specifically Use a non-cloud-based authentication slash credentials manager. No, 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 no. I mean, like, use Active Directory or LDAP or something. That would classify as a credentials manager, wouldn't it, Jathan? I was thinking you meant, like, whatever the fuck it's called, uh, pass or something. Passworks, too. That Passworks, would also be a credentials manager. Absolutely. Passworks, fantastic. Right. I have installed Whatever. Let's goddamn move along. <laughs> this is fucking boring. Welcome Bored. to Jathan as an idiot in Ministrivia. No, Don't. it needs to. It, it doesn't portmanteau correctly. I know. Anyways, I know. all right, let's let's still funny. Let's move on. The good news is this next topic is not going to be very long at all. So it, it might be. J- Brent, every single time. No, 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 that, no. Hold on. It's okay. It's okay. We're past the halfway mark. It's all I, right now. I. Oh. <laughs> it's if I say it at the beginning oh that we're in trouble. I, I, okay. All right. It's okay. We're good. Okay, we're at, okay. we're at thirty-two and. 14 seconds in the row. Yeah, let's just hurry up so I can go get some Taco Bell. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. We so hurrying for your we have an art. We have an article <laughs> <laughs> that says 38% of ransomware victims pay ransom. That 
Now, I this is when was this article published? This was uh, April, April 15th, 2017. Okay, so yeah, it's a little bit old, but the figure's probably still about the same. Now, I want to compare what that would be to last year around this time. I would guess that it was much higher because it was still... Yeah, yeah, because the epidemic of... All right, listen, let me justify that. Okay. All right, and then you can give me shit. Go ahead. So, because in 2016, the sort of work being done to fight ransomware wasn't as prevalent. It was still mostly just other malware. And the efforts being taken to sort of protect against ransomware so you know like we said having good backups they weren't really being considered as much so i think that percentage is down from last year unfortunately the poll wasn't conducted both years so i i don't have a way of confirming or denying that yeah or, or refuting or whatever right but 38 percent, i will say is a lot lower than what i thought it would be i thought it'd be around like 70 to 80 percent based on all the news stories <laughs> yeah well the thing is you don't hear about like failed attempts to get someone to pay you. Sometimes you do. Yeah, but not as often. We've had a couple. Not of as those. often. I yeah. Swear no, I. I'll, I'll grant him that. You don't. Usually, you don't hear about the happy endings more so than sure. like the horror stories. So. Right. Exactly. I will grant you that. Does anyone have any comment on this? Were you surprised at the at the number or? You know, I. I... I'm surprised personally that people are still paying ransoms, but... I'm actually not surprised by the number. I would think it'd be higher. Yeah. Because I think people are fucking idiots. And that's not to bash on people, but it is. Well, if you <laughs> expected it to be higher, Jathan, the fact that it does not meet your expectations means you were yeah. surprised by the number. Yeah, so... So, so yes, you me, are surprised by it. Let me... <laughs> let me think for a second. Uh-huh. Working in academia, for me, is extremely motivating because the people I work with and for and help support are, you know, really passionate about what they do. I'm sure you've heard me, like, say this before, but it's really true. Like, I'm extremely motivated by what the people in my building are doing and how they're advancing science and, you know, personalized medicine and stuff like that. And that's more important to me, really, than making computers faster or whatever the case may be. So, all that to say... I'm very fortunate to work at an institution where we have a lot of, I can't say so much, but we have a more money than some other institutions, okay? Uh-huh. Okay. And so it, it's unfortunate when I go to several conferences and like RMACC, Rocky Mountain Area Computing Consortium or something like that, and you talk to some other people who work at smaller institutions or maybe they manage a subset of departments at smaller institutions or... Or whatever the case may be, and they end up implementing these solutions that that are not tolerant to something like ransomware, where your files become encrypted. And so I go two ways about this, right? Because you know it's extremely frustrating to me that people are still paying to you know take care of ransomware issues because mm -hmm. we should have like air gapped or you know mostly air gapped offsite backups and whatever. But I also understand that you know in certain fields there's not necessarily funding to implement that type of bulletproof solution. And, you know, at that point, it comes down to a choice. Do we have less total storage that's more expensive or do we have more storage that's cheaper? And, you know, at the end of the day, at least in academia, what it comes down to is who can keep more data and generate more data and analyze more data and write the paper first. And that's the person who tends to get the funding, in my experience, full disclosure here. Okay. And so... I understand where that choice would not necessarily be easy, whereas you or I might actually choose, you know, 90% of the time, like, well, we're always going to go for the more robust, secure solution. 
But if you're really trying to make your institution better, then you might actually view, you know, oh, well, I'm going to get something cheaper. We're only going to have a single copy. And maybe it's a, you know, a 120 disk system. So you can lose three or four drives before you actually have any data loss. So you feel like you're pretty protected. But whether you have ransomware or a fire or a flood or whatever, you could still end up losing data, right? But, you know, maybe if you're a young institution, you're smaller, you're just trying to get more funding through the door and you plan to upgrade later, or you just think that that's the best course of action, I understand why some people still fall into that. And now I also understand that this survey, I haven't read this full article, but you know, a lot of what we talk about is healthcare and, and even businesses. So I don't, Police departments. you know, yeah. And so what I'm saying is not directly applicable. It's just, I'm trying to shed some perspective on why not everybody sure. might have a way to not pay the ransomware payment, sure. I guess. Well, here's the thing. So risk analysis does come into play you mm -hmm. know do you want to pay x amount of dollars to always have a way of recovering from malware or right. do you want to pay y amount of dollars and i think if you're it's, really it's actually, insurance it's insurance is what it is yeah and and that's what i wanted to say is you're not just covering malware with that one case you're yeah. covering the other Deletions, things i mentioned too bad disks all of it yeah yeah natural disaster lawsuits yeah potentially yeah. Uh, although I would say archival is more appropriate for protecting against lawsuits than, than backups. But we'll, I'll, I'll link to the episode where we discuss the difference. But I can say there are only two cases where you where not having backups would be acceptable. Even I'll get to that in a second. So only two cases where not having backups is acceptable. The first one is if your data is persistent on read-only media. So in other words, like CDs and DVDs. So, like, obviously, if you boot up your servers from a, a custom-brewed live CD and they run entirely in memory and you can literally reboot the machine and be back to a clean slate to your golden image, you don't really need a backup for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't need a backup of the OS, but anything that's happening on that OS might still not... Routers. You know, obviously, the... What? Routers. Well, anything. Literally anything. No, you can, you can run a router from a persistent data set. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying that in some situations, there's still things that would be important no. that you... Now, I would think you wouldn't you wouldn't be booting into RAM, but... What, for a router? Yeah, the... sure. There's, no, no, there's... no, no, no. I mean, I'm saying the other situations. Right, like, no, and that's, if, and that's if my you point. Had a... Yeah, okay. That's my point. If you're, if you're having dynamic data, you wouldn't be using a RAM-based system in the first place. You shouldn't be. Yeah, right. That doesn't... I mean, that doesn't mean you can't. I, I would go so far as to say you shouldn't yeah i would agree with you but that doesn't mean that some fuck not out there isn't all right well if you're doing that stop then it. <laughs> right stop. stop it just stop it stop. oh my gosh the second the second case, second case and the only other case where it's acceptable acceptable to not have backups is if you're dealing with data that can be regenerated. So yes. if you're crunching numbers and you still have the original data, yeah, I mean, you do lose time, which is a loss of money, but you're not going to lose irreproducible Thank you. data, you know? You're not going to lose this product that you can no longer have back. So whether you keep the final... Like, let's say you're you're running, I don't know, expense reports. I don't really care so much as to whether you back up the original data that you're generating the reports from, or if you're just backing the or backing up the reports. Either way, like if you're if you only want the reports, you need to back up either one of them. You can back up, back up both, and that's fine. You know, it's going to make recovery more speedy. Yeah. But you only need to back up one of them. Backing up none of them is a really stupid fucking move. 
Yeah. Now, where this becomes a more interesting discussion along those lines mm-hmm. is when we start talking about cloud services, actually, because... Fuck cloud services. I don't give a shit about them. I, I know you don't. They're but, doomed. Okay, they're shut a fad. the hell up. I'm talking. Shut up. <laughs> All right. I'm just saying. They're a fad. They, they have no purpose in the long run. Fucking 80-year-old Brent here. So, God, don't lay come, off the don't rye. Come He's fucking to, drunk already. Don't come cry. I had one sip of rye. I know, but don't all you had to eat for like six weeks is soilant, so. No, it's, it's enough, man. Listen. All right, shut up. I'm crying to me. Don't come I'm crying talking. to me when your cloud services go down or get I'm bought not, out I'm and not at- suddenly <laughs> turn down and all of your bullshit just goes up in flames because up. you wanted to save oh some money God. and not do things correctly. Payton, what? Did you hear me say the cloud is good? Yes, I heard you say that. No, you didn't. Shut the hell up. So, my point, asshole, let me fucking finish my fucking statement thought. Just go! I was trying to go! My point here is, what you were talking about was basically keeping original data that was used to generate some final result. And especially, again, in my field, which I can obviously speak to, academia, science, whatever... That's something that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. But when we start talking about institutions that don't have their own compute infrastructure and are starting to use things like Amazon to regenerate that data, the cost analysis doesn't always work out in your favor to regenerate the results through compute instead of using you know extra money to store the results on more persistent storage because of things like you know, if you use Amazon's GPUs to do like a lot of number crunching, it's going to be fucking expensive. If you use so, Amazon, period, you're stupid. Uh, okay, uh, I'm not well, okay. speaking to All that. Right. So for our Amazon listeners, we're sorry. <laughs> no, 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 we're not really I'm not, sorry. I'm not. I Peyton will, I will stand by that statement. I still think Amazon's fucking stupid too, but I, but I'm not denying that people are using it in large fucking It doesn't amounts. make it right. People are also no, I, neglecting backups in large fucking amounts. I know. That's I'm so not true. Oh my god, this fucking guy. <laughs> right, right I'm does not re- make right, Chanton. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Correct. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm going no, to make the I get about. what you're saying, but that falls into like I put that in the camp of you were too stupid to make backups. Okay. That's like, the all right, so I guess there's three cases where you don't make backups. The third is you're a dumbass. But the first two are actually valid points, you know, of not keeping backups. I'm still curious what sort of system you would be running in non-persistent manner. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just on. saying I could see somebody doing so it. So then it's number three. You're a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. I mean, We've got two I more. Mean, it kind of is a little bit, you know, but it's fine. <laughs> so we, all right, let's move on. We got two more topics to get two through. Two more topics. Okay, all right. Oh, what a shit show! Oh. All right, Jason, do you want to talk about the open source tools for fight, to fight phishing? No. Do you want to say it five times fast? <laughs> New open source phishing tools is this legit? Is this fit? New open source phishing tools is this legit? And then open source phishing. Nope. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. was... I also fucked it up the very first time, <laughs> I so know. I don't know how I'd say it's... it five. That's <laughs> why I asked if you wanted to do it because it's a hard phrase to say quickly. No, this is a stupid Toy fucking boat, topic I want to talk about. Well, we'll mention it. We'll put it in the show notes. It's going to take literally ten seconds. So. There are open source tools to fight phishing, and you can find them in a link in our show notes. The end. Ta-da! Oh, wow. All right. Hell of a fucking topic there. Yeah, it's they're called, is, is this legit and fit? I would That's honestly it. suggest that, you know, just check them out. Just take a look at the yeah, web- check them out. websites. This is, ha- I, I believe this, is this legit is the one that you, wait, no. Which one is the mm. one that gave you the, uh, oh, no, that wasn't this, was it? Never mind. I'm incorrect. <laughs> Peyton makes a point. Still. <laughs> 
these these are these are pretty interesting tools. I'm sitting looking through the site. Yes, they uh, are. They look very very slick. All right, Jathan, are you gonna are you gonna be happier now that we're talking about your topic? Yeah. Okay. So, I guess. so I mean, Jathan put in the really no. You better. Care about so Jathan put in the oh, yes. Oh, okay. I want him to be an active part of this discussion here because this oh, is his okay. topic, especially. So he put in our scratch pad where we store like ideas for topics and stuff. He put just the phrase uses for RAM disk. Jathan, what the hell did you mean by that? I mean, yes. I I I can't really talk about my specific use case for a thing that I did, but I used a RAM disk to make some stuff and it was cool and I became interested in exploring what other people actually use RAM disk for. Okay, I can, uh, yeah, I'm, I actually can talk about that because I'm, I'm outside the NDA for the, the place I used it for. So, I guess first an introduction. So, RAM disks are essentially a, a very small embedded Linux system they use, usually Wait a second, use. though. Yes. They don't have to be that small. Because they, mine was on a terabyte right, sure, of RAM. Sure, they, they, <laughs> holy gosh, fuck. Really? They don't have to be small, but ideally yeah. it's better if they are small because they always run in memory. Hence the name, yes. RAM disk. RAM. Anyways, to save <laughs> to save space, and also, you know, the smaller they are, the easy, the more easily they are loaded over like Pixie and stuff too. So, which is why another another reason. Anyways, so to save space, they use things like BusyBox instead of like full blown Bash, full blown Awk, full blown Set, and all that. In case you're not aware, what BusyBox is, we'll link to it, of course. But it essentially links a lot of like core utils into one binary. It's very useful. Anyways, so what these Linux installs basically do is typically. I would say like 99.9999% of the time, they're used to just bootstrap your actual Linux install. It boots up and then it does a switch root into it once the hard disks are initialized and the, the file systems are mounted and all that. And then it sort of switches the root into it and then that's when all your services come up and all that. But, oh my gosh, did you really, Jathan? I'm gonna, can I, can I read this on the air or is that, is that? No. Okay. No. Oh, obviously this doesn't leave this channel. Okay, yeah, uh, that makes me a little nauseous. But anyways, that explains why yours was so large. Wow. But you can do a lot of nifty things with it. If you want to do something, like if you want to run a certain Python script or a certain task or whatever on systems, but you don't need, you don't want to waste the time of booting up a full Linux system to do it, RAM disks are a great solution to that. Yeah. Because number one, they run in, entirely in memory. And number two, they're usually smaller in size, so they take up less disk space. Not a terabyte? <laughs> well, I mean, in some cases, in some uses, they would be a terabyte, I guess. But it's not ideal. Sure. Uh, because you want to also be able to compress them, and then decompressing that would take a while. Anyways, right. Right. an example of this is I actually used MakeInit CPIO, the Arch Linux tool, and I developed, back when I worked at a, a web hosting company, we would have like a server turndown procedure. And part of that turndown procedure was just wipe the disks. And I sort of made my own DBAN. This is how DBAN runs also, by the way. It runs inside a RAM disk. Yeah. So I, I kind of made my own DBAN because we didn't need to do a cryptographically secure wipe. We just needed to zero it out to get it ready for the next install. So to do this, I basically uh, took like the making it CPIO system, and then I built, I wrote a hook for it that all it does is just run DD on all the hard disks that it would find. But it would also it would first prompt for a confirmation. You would have to enter in the MAC. It would print the MAC address, and then you would have to manually type in that same MAC address for the primary network interface. 
in order for it to continue. You know, it's strictly a safety measure because if you act, we had it in our pixie. So if you accidentally booted to it, the entire system would be wiped. So if, if it was fully automatic. So you want to avoid that with something like this. But I mean, that was all of like what, like 15 lines of bash. Yeah. So yeah, they're really easy to like initiate yeah. and actually use. Yeah, you can build up by hand. I used make and CPIO because it was just easier. Yeah, yeah, of course. And faster. But yeah, you can certainly build them by hand. I have done it by hand. But yeah, you can use a Drake cut for you Rel and CentOS guys. What? What? Mm, nothing. I, th- I thought I heard someone laughing. Was it the, the motorcycle? I was laughing, but uh... I wasn't laughing on air. <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard a snicker. Anyways. Um, really? Yes, I did. All right. Anyway, are you still yammering? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say I'm done yammering. But what, right, good. what other uses Someone else might want to turn. All right. Nah. So I actually... Fuck off. <laughs> I, can't, I can't discuss again, I'm sorry, what I did with a round disc. Personally. Which is for the best, trust me. Yeah. He told us in channel. <laughs> it's for the best. <laughs> Keep going. But the thing is, I did, in anticipation of this topic, look up a couple of things, and I took some notes uh, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. So one thing that I found was really interesting, and I'll make sure that I get this link to Brent so we can put it in the show notes. Yep is apparently you can see some extremely significant improvements in Nagios and Isinga performance if you create a RAM disk that stores, like, I don't actually know exactly. I haven't read the article thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Well, it runs the daemons from the RAM disk instead of booting into a I don't think system? it's the daemons. So the article is titled Tweaking Nagios for Performance. Yeah. It's from 2009, so it's a little bit dated. Okay. But Nagios, when you get to a certain number of uh, machines... Yep. It does still run into performance issues. So anyway, so I'll make sure we link to this article. You can read it if you want. But another one I found that was really interesting. <laughs> what? Just keep going. God damn. If you have a diskless node that boots entirely from an NFS share, for example, mm-hmm. which is documented in like RHEL documentation and is part of the even the RCE. Uh, even the Linux kernel documentation. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. If you want to have an actual temp file system, that has to be a RAM disk at that point, I think. Well, I, I mean, yeah, you, you sort of generally need a RAM disk anyways. Yeah. But yes. And then last but not least, one of them that I thought was really actually interesting is this person's mail gateway or mail server was using ClamAV to do scans on attachments. Uh-huh. And they basically would copy the attachments basically into RAM disks. Oh, okay. So you, you meant like RAM disks in general, not initial RAM disks. No, no, I mean, Justin, yeah, 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 sorry. Oh, no, oh boy, that okay. changes everything, That does, it? that does. Well, because you went on for so long, I was like, wow, you really only did this one thing. Yeah, so so <laughs> usually when people say RAM disks, they're referring to initial Yeah, RAM you're disks. right. I should have clarified. RAM, like, yeah, like memory-based file systems or RAM But they're file similar. Systems. I mean, they're they, the same. they use the same mechanism. Yeah, they use the yeah. same exact kernel driver. But, yeah, so you do definitely open up a lot more uses for actual memory-based storage. Sorry. <laughs> I had no idea that's <laughs> I mean, what you were talking about. Yeah. And I didn't even go the other way and think about that. So it's right. just like, oh boy. But no, that's that's a good point. So so tempfs is a very specifically designed type of memory-based file system. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have memory. to be. Right. It doesn't have to be. But, but if generally, if it's a slash temp, you, yeah, you yeah, want yeah. it gone on reboot. And yeah. they're used to, you used to have to use things like temp reaper and stuff or boot up scripts to clear out temp. And then people were like, why don't we just mount it as a memory disk? And people were like, oh, yeah, that's, that's actually not that's a bad idea. That's a good idea. idea. We should do yeah. that. Yeah. Duh. That was one of those dumb moments, well, I imagine. Why didn't you try that? Whoa, whoa. 
So now, now most Linux distributions do that by default. I, I actually use regular RAM disks via OverlayFS, which is sort of a hybrid. It lets you overlay memory storage on top of persistent optical storage. Interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. So, like, you have a folder that actually points to RAM? Sort of. It's more like, okay, let's say you take slash root, right? And in root, you have, like, your SSH pub keys and stuff. Okay. That would be on your optical media, and that would be persistent, and that would be, you know, obviously brought right back on reboot. But with OverlayFS, you can provide, like, a working space and then a sort of active space. In which case, you could delete the keys or recreate them with new keys, whatever. And to user space, it looks like it's you've totally written over the keys. It looks like yeah. the persistent keys that you booted with is totally gone. But it's actually still there. It's just hidden by the kernel. You know, it's it's no longer accessed underneath because the, the file system driver says, hey, use this particular stack for this. Sort of like what ButterFS does in Snapshots. Remember when we were having that, that argument? Yeah, I remember that. It, it's a lot like that in theory. <sighs> Only it's more, there is a persistent place and it's not changing the pointer. It's overlaying memory on top of the disk space and then writing to that memory or writing it with null bytes to sort of give the representation that there is no longer a file there. Does that sure. make sense? Yeah. Okay, right. it's really useful. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, could I you use give it, us... Yeah, I use it in bdisk. Okay, but I mean, like, for what? function the the entire root file system slash the slash okay that lets me keep like a let you keep like a persistent squash image because you can't really write to squash images you know yeah right 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 and plus usually they're on optical media or used to also probably wouldn't be called squash anymore right because you know it's compressed but what i do is is I, i generate a squashed image squashed file system image and then have that compress decompress into a memory into a ram disk and then mm-hmm. that stays persistent. And then I put OverlayFS on top of that. And then that way you can treat BDisk when you're booted into it as a real Linux system. You can install packages. You can remove packages. You can update your system. All sorts of crazy stuff that most live CDs, I, I think even the official Arch install CD doesn't let you do. So it's very useful in that regard for like live media where you want a persistent known good copy underneath and then you want to be able to modify it on the fly without really caring about changes on reboot. So like, yeah, so like live CDs, live DVDs, super useful. Right. Just like David Bowie. (laughs) Turn to face of strange changes. So that overlay FS in a way is a sort of RAM file system as well. I'm trying to think of other uses. Oh, I would use one back when I was using Gentoo. I used one for my portage cache. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, because it's a lot because faster. Because obviously you can regenerate at any yeah, time. Yeah, you can always regenerate and you're always working on it. So I was like, yeah. why why not just save the disk rights? Yeah. yeah. And it's faster. Another use. It's a lot faster. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Well, especially back then where you probably didn't have an SSD. Correct. I don't know how. On a raid, on a raid for... one at that. Yeah. How long have you been using Arc? Uh, this was on Gentoo. So this I know, is, so, oh, so that's what I'm oh, asking. So trying to like, find out what it was. I want to say 2009, 2010. Well, you switched way before I did. Yeah, I switched a while back. I've been using Arch for six years, I think. I'm going back to Gen 2. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> you do that. Another use I actually just thought of was there's a web application that I developed as part of the NCBI hackathon mm-hmm. in Bethesda, Maryland in January of this year. And I know I talked about it on the show before. It's called Fenvar. Basically does some querying and stuff like that. Yep. But my sole purpose over this three-day event was basically to prototype this entire piece of software. And I was working with a bunch of scientists. 
And we were having some real performance issues with doing queries in real time, but I didn't have a good way to implement like a memcache for doing the queries themselves. But I had used SQLite to stand up the app because it's so much easier initially. Mm -hmm. And so I actually was sort of like, wait, why don't I make a RAM disk and put the SQLite database like at boot, just copy it in there. And it actually sped up my operations a fuck ton, which was really cool. It was a cool implementation. Yeah, yeah. I, I would probably... I wouldn't do it for a production thing. Yeah, yeah, because you lose that da- that data very easily. But yeah, now granted, if you can copy it onto optical disk, I mean, a SQLite database isn't more than you know a hundred megs usually. Yeah, I guess yeah, it usually be. it's a couple kilobytes, sure. But in any case, if you oh, could so keep like it, bootstrap it and then yeah, exactly, and at boot just copy it when you need it or yeah. whatever, or have your app like initialize it in memory. That's a good idea. Yeah, and then you you would automatically to get clean results for the next run, you would just reboot the machine. That's not a bad right. idea for yeah. sure. Yeah, so I saw a pretty good performance benefit from doing that. Uh, Another time I tried the same thing, though, and I don't know if it was the type of queries I was doing or what, but uh, it just didn't really significantly help. It it might have been the type of queries. Was it also in SQLite? Yeah, Yeah, but there are actually tools for Python to diagnose basically which step in a certain request or part of your program is doing... Or, you know, it's actually taking the most time. Mm-hmm. So, And if you if you use MySQL for that, MySQL itself has a, a log slow queries option. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which, if you're ever debugging and trying to optimize performance with MySQL, I highly advise you use that. It's always a good idea when you first stand something new up. Because, sure. yeah. I mean, if you're after performance, if you just don't give a fuck, then don't bother, I mm-hmm. guess. But As long as it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, I can't believe we actually got through this. Okay, Jathan. Actually, well, before we, we go to the baddie, does anyone have any closing remarks on, on RAM disk usage or anything like that? I'm, I'm sure, you know what, actually, to our audience, if you have any uses that you can mention to us, we would love to hear them, and then I'll pop them in the show notes. So, yeah, feel free to get in touch and, with any interesting uses you guys have. Anyways, yeah, because so, I'm actually, I'm legitimately interested in hearing how people utilize them, because... They are you know, very useful read, things, but... I can yeah. read on the internet, but sometimes it just takes someone to think of a new use for it mm-hmm. in a specific situation... You know, like my SQLite thing, I've never read an article that was like, you should put your SQLite database in RAM disk, but it worked out really well. Well, so. usually when people keep stuff in a database, they want it persistent. That's why. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why. But yeah, feel free to reach out with us and, and hit us up with how you use RAM disks yeah, and we, memory disks and know. things like that. Okay, so does anyone have any closing remarks on any of those four topics? I got nothing. Jathan? I'm good. Okay. I'm great. Jathan, Batty, do it. Batty! I'm not even drunk. High energy. Fuck. Drink high energy. energy. Woo! Finish right. your finish your drink really quickly and then do it. Yeah, do it up. All right, give me half a second. Chug. chug no, chug, no, chug. no half. Should I take a video? No, I said no. Chug, chug, Jathan. Chug it. Chug. Don't even it. waste time with video. Chug it. Chug it. Chug. Chug it. Chug it. Chug it. Chug it. Chug it. Chug it. Okay, that was <laughs> that was the better part of a sixteen ounce glass. <laughs> Is that all? All right. It took you that okay. long. Really? Okay. Well. He, All right, it's it's been a while for him, Jason. He needs he he needs to remember how to open his throat again. You know, to Payton. Accept the liquid. You meant to say Payton. No. All right. Anyway. Oh right. Uh, okay, yes. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So. So we've talked in the past about Internet of Things and smart devices and how it's all bullshit and you shouldn't do it. Case in point. Botched firmware update bricks hundred of. Sm- <laughs> oh boy. It's Botched already firmware- hitting them. <laughs> <laughs> My throat is open. <laughs> Botched firmware update bricks hundreds of smart door locks. On Tuesday, August 8th, smart locks manufacturer Lockstate, which is in Denver, I believe, botched an over-the-air firmware update for Wi-Fi-enabled smart locks, causing the devices to lose connectivity to the vendor's servers and the ability to open doors for its users. 
Only one lock state product was affected, which is the lock state remote lock 6i, also known as a 6000i. The device cost $469 and is sold mainly, this is key, to Airbnb hosts via an official <laughs> partnership LockState has signed with the company. Hosts use the smart locks to configure custom access codes for each Airbnb renter without needing to give out a physical key to each one. Okay, so the article goes on to basically say the physical keys continue to work, but obviously you didn't have a way to get one to your Airbnb guests. <laughs> really? The bot firmware was a nuisance for private homeowners, but it was a disaster for Airbnb hosts who had to scramble to get customers physical keys so they could enter their rents. Yeah. So, a couple things here. First of all, the replacement window, if you had one of these locks, Mm -hmm. was 14 to 18 days. So we're still not outside of this on the day of recording, which is Wednesday, August 16th. Second, people were going fucking ham tweeting at Lockstate on Twitter, and they just didn't tweet for two days after this happened or release anything that I could find. Are you serious? Yeah. Number three, this was not an optional firmware update. (laughs) My impression is that that the locks basically were just like, fuck it, I got to update, and they just did it. Wow. Yeah, they they put it. Wow. So here's the thing. Smart locks in general, I think, are fucking awful. Mm -hmm. Me personally, like, I would never put a lock on my door that had any kind of wireless connectivity because obviously we know that technology is not perfect it isn't. and especially wireless technology. Mm. And so things get compromised. And if that's your lock to your house or your rental property, that's bad. Let me, well, I'm just saying, let me, like, if you don't know it's bad, you should find out. Let me, it's bad. let me put it this way. I know how to pick locks and I can, I can do it fairly well, uh, considering, you know, it's, it's a, I'm no, not an expert, certainly, but I did. I saw him try one time, and he fucked no, it up. No, I did it right. There was a sticky doorknob. You need to calm down. I couldn't open I couldn't open the door, because it was literally jammed in the frame. But I got the okay, lock. so that's 0%. Get the lock. No. 0% success no. in the real world. Uh, all right. But I picked the lock, and that's the important part. But... Wow, I'm actually drunk that, now. <laughs> really? I figured. We can't tell. That being said... <laughs> Jesus Christ. That being said, even I would not go with an electronic lock. Well, because... You're better at computers than lockpicking. <laughs> no, no, I, oh, I like I know a lot of the mechanics. Even if I like, yeah, okay, I, I, I have never cracked a safe. Don't but take I know away how from my done. segment here. All right, well, pipe down. Like because you're so pipe dumb. down, <laughs> Jathan. I think you might need to sit down and, and clam a little bit. I'm already sitting. Just Are you feeling clam? Pipe down. Are you feeling clam? I'm, cl- I'm clam. clam. Down. Okay. Clam down. I'm fucking clam. Okay. I'm clam. Clam down, Jaython. So, so, so a couple of things about this. Yes. From what I've read, and it's a little hard to verify, obviously, this has only affected 500 to 1,000 units because of all the Airbnb hosts in the world, apparently only 500 to 1,000 are stupid as how, fuck. How many, but, how many, how but, many units? You, 500, 500 to 1000 oh, but okay. that's only right. that's only like houses or, or properties i should say that's not like well people. it doesn't explicitly say like nobody who owns a business has this right 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 but i'm saying like typically if these are for airbnb houses like yeah. you're it's very rare to have just one person book a house it's going to be like two plus probably i would i would say the average would be what four to six people for an airbnb? traveling together you mean yeah for an airbnb i don't Sure, but I guess I don't know. I don't know how that matters. So, well, the reason I bring it up is because instead of now having one angry person calling the oh, property, oh yeah, owner, you've got you've, you've got, got six. <laughs> oh well, uh, so. I, I don't know. I could go either way about that. So yeah. I have a a friend who does Airbnb in Boulder, mm-hmm. 
and they actually had this lock in their experience. They still don't have a fix for their lock, by the way. And we're we're pretty close to Denver, just for the record. And they only have like one part of their house that's like sectioned off and accessible externally via this lock. Mm. Okay. So it, you know, I it, mostly I don't know if the six rule is hard and fast. I'm really drunk. So. <laughs> Okay. I think I might have been drunk like before, but I wasn't sure. To get drunk. What the hell? No, I think I was probably drunk before, I but I just didn't know. Dog. You know when you're like accidentally drunk, it's like a mistake. <laughs> Here we can accidentally <laughs> drunk. The, yeah, no, that no, that does not happen. Wow, dude. Alright, whatever. I'm talking about the baddie, Pipe Town. <laughs> pipe oh. down. So Wow. <laughs> Peyton, you're getting kicked in a second. Alright, wrap Why it up, this, not you. Right, I'm gonna wrap it up. Okay. Uh don't buy it. <laughs> And that's a wrap. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I gotta go get more to drink. I need Taco Bell. I gotta call Uber wow. Eats. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, gosh. Oh okay. It's not my fault. You guys made me do it. Oh, my God. I do it for the fans. Oh. Okay. Just what? What? don't fans? buy smart what, shit. What fans? Buy dumb shit. It works better. don't have any fans. Shit. Like a fucking dumb thermostat can't set your house on fire because somebody fucking hacked it and turned your fucking thermostat up to 900. That's that's true. I know. So just fucking buy a dumb thermostat. I mean, there could be like a, a it depends on, on how, where you draw it's, the line between dumb It's like and three smart. wires. There's not going to be an electrical problem. Right. But I'm saying like you're talking like an analog thermostat. You can still have a dumb yeah. thermostat that's still like electronic. Smart. No, yeah. It's connected yeah, I have. The internet. So, so let me, uh, I'm telling a story now. So. <laughs> Okay. I just moved. You oh know God. I moved from last episode. My old apartment had a nest, mm -hmm. which, of course, I didn't connect to my Wi-Fi because that'd be fucking awful, mm -hmm. like a stupid-ass uh -huh. idea. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm so drunk. So, uh, Are you? But my new apartment has just a normal, like, oh. it's a digital thermostat. It's programmable oh, by time, mm -hmm. but that's all the fucking technology I need. Is that is that your story? Yeah, that was it's good. It's a good thermostat. It's a nice thermostat. No, that was remarkably anticlimactic. <laughs> I was expecting like, <laughs> and then my apartment caught on fire or something. But uh, nope. nope, nope. Are we just having? <laughs> nope, nope. Well, <laughs> Jay thought is thoroughly drunk. <laughs> that happened really fast. <laughs> that did. That was really fast. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Really I should have. <laughs> like that was what like... I thought. Spit it out. I should. I should explain very briefly. Yeah. So I've been having some medical issues, which I talked about at some point in time. I don't remember. Are you not supposed to be drinking on your meds? I'm not on any meds. Okay. I just haven't been drinking, so my tolerance oh. is a little off. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> 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 before before the Jathan becomes a case of the killing joke, I think it's time we close this out. <laughs> this has been Susan Ministerbia. I'm Brent. <laughs> I'm Peyton. And he's a buffoon. And this chuckle fuck is Jathan. <laughs>